him out here, so I forget. He's been out here for a long time, uh, pastoring up in uh, Clancy, Montana, and uh, he, uh, he's, he's been up there pastoring. He planted the church there um, all these years ago, and uh, he's been faithfully serving the Lord, and he has been a, a uh, he and his church have been a major part of this church. Uh, he shared this morning that they were some of the, one of the churches that helped support our, the church planter that planted Whitehall Baptist Church. Um, he, uh, he has a heart for, for missions. He has a heart for church planting. And uh, Pastor Class has been a friend for a long time. He was one of the, the men that were on my ordination council when I got ordained here at the church. And, and uh, there's been many times that I've called him up and said, what would you do in this situation? And then he'd tell me, and I'd do the exact opposite, okay? And uh, that's, that's, uh, that's how it was. But he, he has been a dear friend, and I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for his mentorship, his leadership, and his friendship. And uh, he's going to come today. And one thing that I know about Pastor Class is he has a heart for missions. He loves missions. Um, his church up there in, uh, in uh, Clancy, Montana, gives an abundant amount to missions, um, far and above what they probably should be able to. But it's because they have a heart and they have a love, and that is seen in the heart of their pastor. He's a diehard Grizz fan, and uh, I'm thankful for <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. He is a Cats fan, and uh, that, uh, that's a, a big deal. It's a major part of his life, and uh, I'm thankful for him. Pastor Class, you come on up here, and you preach to us this morning. He's going to be sharing with us some about missions, and I'm thankful for him and his friendship and uh, looking forward to what the Lord has for us today. All right. You got that figured out? No, I don't. All right. Press that button. Amen. Yeah, we were on his ordination council, and... Uh, we may have to remove your, uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about that. Would you ever be willing to turn it in if you uh, departed from the faith and didn't learn how to induce, introduce people properly? But, all right. I want to say to, to Isaac and the, the praise team this morning that uh, uh, your praise and led me to worship. I worship God this morning. I normally worship 50 miles that way, about three miles from, two miles from the northern county line, and I worship God this morning about, what, a couple miles from the south end of it? All right. It's good to be here this morning. I'm going to make an opening statement here. <clears throat> I count it both a wonderful opportunity to be a small part of Whitehall Baptist Church's uh, time of missions emphasis and a honored privilege to preach at this important part, this important hour in your church, your, your Faith Promise Sunday. I think the last time I preached here, Brother Kyle, was at your... Uh, your ordination, your charge, standing right here. But anyway, uh, I want to take just a moment to make some additional comments. I have not spoke here for a long time, and I know you're, there's a time factor here, so we'll start the time clock after I, after I make these comments, all right? Uh, how, Whitehall Baptist Church, is, is, as he said, is a special church to myself. I have a 24-year-plus relationship with her. Uh, just a brief history lesson. Uh, I was honored to preach Whitehall Baptist Church's organizational and commissioning service back on June 4th, 2000. In fact, I got the notes right here. I'm going to read from something from something from here in just a moment. Uh, let me be the first uh, to uh, give give you a early, happy 24 years friendship, uh, Whitehall Baptist Church. I'm going to say friendship, but happy birthday to you guys. I also continue to be good friends with her three pastors, I think anyway. By the way, you know, when Brother Jonesy comes here in a couple of weeks, uh, you might need to get a little wider uh, 
Okay, okay. He's a fair-sized lad. Uh, anyway. Uh, of course, Brother Terman, I uh, had a lot of fun with him and, and his wife. I met her, actually met them both before they even got saved. She was a volleyball coach at, 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 uh, here at, in Whitehall. My daughter was playing up at Boulder. And, and anyway, uh, we continued to give them grief. And, of course, uh, Brother Kyle, I... Uh, he sends the nice things, but you probably need to continue to pray for our uh, friendship. It's, it's really struggling right now, okay, especially after an introduction like that. But uh, I just got to think about this, about this church. Uh, uh, it's kind of a tag team endeavor. Uh, we are a like-minded church ministering on the north end of Jefferson County. And you guys are a uh, church ministering and, and here on the south end of, of, of the valley. Uh, you're doing, I believe, a, a all-out attack on Satan and his forces. It's, it's so encouraging to see what God is doing here. I, in fact, I, I, this is my notes uh, from 6-4-2000, 2 o'clock in the afternoon at the organizational service here at the church. My last point was on being a persistent church, and I made this statement. I talked about faithfulness, a character quality God looks for above all others. And then I said steadfastness is a key to God's continued blessing on this church. Now, this was in your church before we organized, and I made this point. 10, 20, 30 years down the road, may the Lord find this church standing firm in the faith and flourishing. And lo and behold, he's doing that. Not only are you standing firm in the faith, you're flourishing. You're, you're impacting this whole area. And it, it, it's so exciting uh, to see that going on and to be a small part of it. Another thought I want to share here is I have your pastor is a good friend. Uh, we kind of have a unique a relationship, unique friendship. I don't know what you call it, love, hate, or whatever. But uh, first of all, one reason it's unique is Kyle is young enough to be my son. <laughs> and you don't normally have good friendships with millennials. Those guys are just weird. My, my kids are all weird. I've got three millennial boys. Anyway, um, we have a growing relationship. Uh, it's grown from an acquaintance. I'm not sure when we first met. Probably on the phone. We've been yakking about something. It's grown into a good friendship. And, and now I consider him a, a, a trusted and valued co-laborer in the gospel ministry. That guy right there, okay? And I just, uh, I just want to make this statement, okay? And again, I'm taking a couple of minutes extra to do this. Whitehall Baptist Church, listen to me. You've got yourself a good one, okay? I'm from the hills of eastern Oklahoma. I'm an Ozark boy. Pastors like him are in great demand and in short supply. And I know because I'm on my way out. We're going through a transitioning time up north uh, at Friendship Baptist Church. And we've got, I think we got the right guy. And there are not a lot of them out there. And those that are, are out there are good churches somewhere and they're not overly available. Let me say this to you. I'm talking to all, the whole church, especially the men. Honor him. And I, I just glanced around on, on the computer there down. I noticed you guys had some kind of a pastor appreciation uh, here for them. I, that's so cool. Uh, listen, take care of him. Take care of his wife. Take care of his family. Follow his leadership as long as he follows the Lord. Amen? And guess what? You'll rock the five-county region the Lord has placed you in to minister to. And I think so. You're getting a little bit of the tail end of Broadwater County too, right? Okay. Boy, I look at my map. That's five counties you guys are, are, are reaching into. Uh, and I said, I've already read that little tidbit from, from that message. You know, I'm especially excited uh, for, for Pastor Kyle's refocus on world missions here at Whitehall Baptist Church. And he was sharing some about the increase last year in your Faith Promise Missions giving. And we trust that will uh, happen again this year. So, special church, a good friend, a special occasion. These are all introductory thoughts, okay? 
This is the conclusion of Whitehall Baptist Church's time of missions emphasis. I want you to be reminded. I'm going to just build on what probably has already happened this, this, this week or this month. World missions is the mission of the New Testament church. Not a side issue, but the very reason you exist as a church. Here's a good quote by Emil Bruner. The church exists by missions as fire exists by burning. Think on that one for a minute. Here's a challenge I give to Whitehall Baptist Church. As you continue to impact your own Jerusalem for Christ, that's these five counties that you're reaching out to, be careful not to lose your focus on reaching the world. See, the instructions in Acts 1-8 are very clear. Uh, uh, and they say this, you, you may know the verse by memory. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, you get the word both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. While you're reaching your own valley, you're also supposed to be continue to reach the world. Let me give you a clarifying statement. At the risk of being misunderstood, let me say this. As much as every person in this five-county region needs Christ, there are places in the world where people have never heard the gospel even once. Even once. A couple of missions models. I'm going to share, share several this morning as I did this in the Bible study this morning. Not one person in the world needs Jesus Christ less than you do. Okay? You're no more important than any other person on the face of this globe. And sometimes we forget that. Here's one. Why should anyone hear the gospel twice until everybody's heard it once? Think about that one. One last thought. My unimpressive credentials. <laughs> You've already figured this out, but uh, I'm not a very impressive person or a preacher. Uh, I have no impressive credentials. I'm not highly educated. I uh, can barely speak English, okay? Uh, I have no great accomplishments but one thing the Lord has given to me is a passion for world missions. And that just didn't happen, okay? I, I didn't, wasn't born uh, a mission-hearted person. That happened over time, okay? By the way, we are born not only unmissionary, most of us are anti-missionary. Because my pastor used to say, we, we like people who like us and people who are like us. So you weren't born with a missionary heart. But here's how it came on me. I was exposed to world missions from a child on having missionaries in my home. My earliest memories, a three or four-year-old kid, was the missionaries in our, we'd fight for the missionaries and get to keep them in our home and, and, and spend time with them. Going on missions trip, I went on my first trip to Mexico when I was in ninth grade and have gone on numerous ones since. I was raised in a mission-hearted church under the influence of a mission-hearted pastor, just like your pastor. His name is Clifford Clark, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've said this several times this past during our world time of missions emphasis, I was back at Tulsa Baptist Temple just a couple of weeks ago, and I said this to our, our little reunion was having. My pastor messed me up. He really messed me up in a good way when it comes to world missions. I'm, I'm just eat up with it. It's because of him. I graduated from a, with an intercultural missions degree from Baptist Bible College, and, and I lived in Brazil for several months after I got out of college. My, my church sent me down there. Another thought here, the Lord has allowed me to plant and pastor a mission-hearted church in the Clancy, Montana City area for the last 37 and a half years. And, and I'll just say this, I'll give some counsel, I think I'll share this with you, Kyle, but you get what you emphasize. So 
uh, it's good to see you emphasizing missions because you'll, you'll get a mission church if you, if you keep it for the people. And so uh, you get what you emphasize. So here's my summary. I am not an expert on the subject of world missions or faith promise, but I will share some things I've been taught and some things I've learned from experience about missions. Uh, today, specifically, specifically, we're going to be talking about faith promise missions giving to missions. Did, do we have those outlines? They've all been passed out, okay? I'm going to talk fast. I'm going to cover a lot of materials. I understand the time shortage I have here. So stay with me. On the subject of giving, let's start uh, officially the message, okay? So who's, who, who's keeping time? Are you, I think you're doing that, okay? The, this one. Oh, it, it's been the same time ever, ever since I've been here, okay? <laughs> you need to replace the batteries in. Okay. Oh, I see it right there, 12 minutes. Okay, so now I know why that clock doesn't work because you don't pay attention to it anyway. All right. On the subject of giving, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Christians should live and give for that which matters most. Here's one. I double dog dare you on this one. Triple dog dare you. You can't beat God at giving. Ain't going to happen. Here's one. We're never more like Christ than when we are giving. That's Acts 20, verse 35. Question. Guess what we're going to be talking about this morning? Giving, okay? Uh, a little joke here. Uh, a guy sitting here saying, oh, oh Myrtle, oh, oh no, I, I knew we should have skipped church today, okay? You should, this should have been the day you skipped church, okay? Because we're going to be talking about giving. Yesterday we were discussing money, but we will not do timidly or apologetically. Why? Because today we are talking about your personal responsibility to giving to missions. And for me as a preacher, that's a whole different situation. I very seldom preach on money at our church. I don't need to because we give to missions and God just, it's amazing how he takes care of us. Okay? But it's going to be a little different story. And this morning, and our, we had our faith promise Sunday just about two months ago. And so I don't get, I get up and lay it out. We'll be doing that this morning. I remind you, salvation is free, but the pipeline to get it to the lost world is costly. Takes a lot of money to, to fund our missionary endeavors. Faith Promise Sunday, it's a special day. Today is Faith Promise Sunday here at Whitehall Baptist Church. It's an occasion when you as individuals and a church body step out by faith to determine your financial involvement in reaching your world for Christ. And here's our simple approach. Uh, we will examine the foundation of faith giving found in the Bible. And we will be, we do so by looking at several, several examples of faith giving in the Word of God, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Our primary text this morning will be Genesis chapter 22. So you might want to go there this morning. And uh, this is a well-known story. It's one of the great faith chapters in the Bible. And it's an early example in the Bible of faith giving. All right? And I'm debating here. I think uh, maybe I, I was going to read those first 14 verses, but we're going to dissect them here in just a moment. So we're, we're not going to read the, the, the text. It's found in verses 1 through 14, okay? But uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll continue on. Father, again, we thank you for this special occasion. Lord, I, I thank you that we've worshipped you through uh, song, and now as the Word of God's open, and we're going to preach from it about faith giving, I pray that you'll continue to keep our hearts open to what you're trying to show us this morning, especially in the area of, of giving by faith to reach our world for Christ. Honor your word as it's preached this morning. Lord, get me out of the way of my silliness and whatever I might focus on that I shouldn't focus on and, and, and speak to hearts today. And we'll thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. A little wit and wisdom. Uh, I talked to Pastor Kyle about this. An old preacher said this about the best way to preach. Tell the people what you're going to tell them. 
then tell them, and then tell them what you just told them. And just by chance, they might get the crux of the message. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Here's three simple theme points for my message today. First, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Here it is. When you give something to God, it's twice as sweet when you get it back. Secondly, when you give something to God, God never forgets. Number three, when you give something to God, God expects you to give the very best that you have. Now, I've told you what I'm going to tell you, and now secondly, I'm going to tell you, right? Faith giving principle number one. When you give something to God, it's twice as sweet when you get it back. And we're going to look at three biblical examples. Example one is Abraham and Isaac, found in Genesis 22. Now, the storyline. Uh, by the way, uh, I, I'm not a big moviegoer, but a couple months ago, it was right before Easter, I was watching something on television, and they had interviewed a guy that had done a movie, a documentary on only That was excellent. I mean, I, I had to pay like six bucks to go to the movies, but it was, about, it was about the store here. And at the end, I mean, the, the gospel was presented through the whole thing. I almost got saved. It was, it was powerful. But anyway, if you have a chance to download it, it's, cause, it's called His Only Son. It's a story that, uh, that in Genesis 22, and they did a great job. And they're going to make more of them. And they're basically doing them in a secular world to get the gospel up. But anyway, uh, it, it was, I, I encourage you, to, I don't encourage you to go to the movie, maybe, but, but at least watch it, okay? Try to imagine uh, how Abraham must have felt about God's request to, to take his son and take him up on the mountain there and sacrifice him. Uh, a few thoughts. Abraham's love and affection for, for Isaac. He was, as you well know, the son of promise. He was the son of his old age. Here's my point. Abraham loved this boy. And we can only imagine his thoughts and emotions at God's request. Abraham, I want to take your son, and I want you to go up on the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him. That's what it says in verse number 2 of Genesis 22. Make this comparison, maybe example. Taking someone, uh, someone somewhere, knowing it's potentially the last time you may ever see them. You know, like maybe uh, going to a hospital, making hospital visits. Uh, of course, memories begin to flood your mind. You can imagine the memories and thoughts that, that Abraham was having as he made that trip that, uh, up to the top of the mountain there. I think of a personal example. Uh, my, mom, my last visit with my mother at a memory care facility there in, in Colorado. Now let's give some of the details of the story here. Uh, Isaac was a strapping young teenage boy. And imagine uh, Abraham's thoughts going up the mountain, he, as I said here. Here's a possible conversation that they may have had. Isaac to, to his pops. Hey, Dad, um, here's the wood and... Here's the fire and here's the knife, but, but where's the sacrifice? That's basically what it said there in verse number 7. You know what Abraham's response was? Son, God will provide. Amen? And he did. Now, it's evident that Abraham had the faith that God would, could resurrect his son. Didn't know if he would, but he knew he could. And, of course, uh, we know that uh, Isaac had to be a, an obedient son. Again, as you, as you read the story, which we didn't do because of time, there was no struggle, which possibly made it even more difficult for Abraham. And what happens in the movie, but you can imagine, he, he raises the knife. He, he's getting ready to, to plunge that knife into the chest of his son. And I, and, uh, and I, believe, I really believe he's prepared to slay him. Because I believe he really believed that God would resurrect him if, 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 he could, if he had the power to do that. But then God spoke to him. In fact, let's see what it says here. In chapter 22 of uh, Genesis verses 10 through 12. And Abraham stood forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. 
And an angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And verse 13 says, uh, God provided a ram in the thickets there. This is good. Now imagine his thoughts and his reaction as he's coming down off that hill. Can you imagine a hundred-year-old man uh, skipping and shouting? I, I tried to play basketball. My legs don't run anymore. Anyway, but this old man is I mean, he's hopping, skipping, praising God. Here's the, here's the point I want to make. Abraham gave his son to God, and God gave him back. And history records what God accomplished through Isaac's life. It's through his seed uh, that Abraham founded a, 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 the, the Jewish nation. Let me illustrate this way. A conversation, if we were able to have a, a conversation with Abraham here today. He would say this. When you give something to God, it's twice as sweet as when you get it back. I want to clarify here. God didn't need Isaac. What he wanted to do was prove Abraham's faith. Let's give you, uh, make a couple applications about that. First of all, our, our children, our grandchildren, our family. Parents, have you offered your children back to the Lord? I, I think of Kathy and I, I think of my own parents, I think of Kathy and I, we gave all four children up to, to the Lord. We, we dedicated them as babies and we continued to, to give them back to the Lord. Now, of course, I want you to understand, you guys, many of you probably know this, there's no guarantee what they will do with their lives, but we gave them to the Lord for his use to accomplish uh, his will uh, through them. Another application of that story to our faith promise offering. Just like in this story, God didn't need Isaac. He just wanted to test Abraham's faith. Likewise, listen to me, church, God doesn't need our money. He's simply looking for an avenue, the avenue of our lives, in which to exercise our faith. And faith promise missions giving is one of those avenues. Let's go to another example. The example of the widow of Zarephath over in 1 Kings. Go to 1 Kings chapter 17, if you would, please. 1 Kings 17, and we'll look at a few verses here. Uh, let me give you the storyline. In fact, I think I'll read a few verses here. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse number 8, says this. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that's unto Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel, that I may drink. And as she was going forth to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me now, I pray thee, a morsel in thine hand. And verse 12, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now, get the picture. There's just enough food for one last meal, as we read there in verse number 12. And by the way, think about this, this is a hard request. Let me ask you, which man here would take the last meal from a starving widow? 
Well, no one would do that. And that's exactly how Elijah felt. Here's the application. This is a little a difficult task for a, a pastor to do. To ask people to step out by faith and, and, and give to, to, to missions. Even though some of them are going through maybe a, fi a financial difficulty. Some of you, I don't know any of you, so I don't know anything about your, your, your finances. Uh, I'll get illustrate this way in my discussion with the Lord as I approach my own people. Uh, pastor class to God. Hey, Lord, uh, you don't understand some of the circumstances that people in the church are going through. God, back to pastor class. Hey, go and place a challenge before them anyway. Okay, so just consider the pressure that puts on a pastor and a, a preacher and a pastor like your pastor to challenge people to give by faith when you know they're facing maybe financial difficulties. <coughs> Examples, most of us, many of you maybe have limited income. I don't know, maybe you're a widow, maybe you're out of work, or maybe you have a one-income household, maybe you have a child in college. Maybe some of you have mates who don't understand or are not in favor of being a part of this. Others don't participate because they don't fully understand the faith promise principles. Some might even think what we're talking about this morning is some kind of a gimmick that the church is to get money for missions. You know, we live in a name and claim it kind of world. There's people who even have that concept about faith promise missions giving. Let me give the conclusion of the story. Verses 13 through 16. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as, as thou said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it to me and after make thee for thee, uh, for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth the rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and, 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 and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Here's the point. Had Elijah not done what God had told him to tell the widow, and the widow had not obeyed, her son and her could have possibly starved. Here's the application I make from that thought. A preacher's responsibility is to instruct believers and challenge them to be involved in faith promise giving. Your responsibility is to obey. Okay, and that's all I'm doing this morning. I'm just sharing these truths and these principles with you. I want to clarify here. You do not need to give. Okay, uh, you need to give, I'm sorry, not primarily because God or your missionaries need the funds. But more importantly, because God wants to show himself powerful in your lives and bless you for your faith as you give by faith. I'll remind you, our God is not short on finances. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know this little mine you got down here? He owns all that gold. He owns all the wealth in this world, okay? So he is not short on finances to finance the fulfillment of his great commission. Okay, he could do it without us. But he wants us to give by faith so that he can prove himself powerful and bless us. That's why he wants you to be involved in faith promise giving. We can be certain if the widow of Zarephath was here today, she would testify to the fact that when you give something to God, it's twice as sweet when you get it back. Are you with me? Let me give you one more example, Okay. How about the little boy in his sack lunch in John chapter 6? You know the story. You know it well. The storyline, Jesus is teaching and preaching to a large crowd, and they grow hungry. The commentary is found in verses 5 through 13. Uh, verses 6 and 7 tells us that this, uh, Jesus allows this to happen because he wants to prove Philip's faith. And, uh, of course, we make an application of that to, to faith promise. When the Lord lays an amount upon your heart, here he knows how he's going to provide it before he, even before uh, he, 
you, you sign that card. If he leads you this morning to make an, a, a promise on that card and you don't know how you're going to provide it, God, God's got that, got that covered just like he had it covered in this story here. Uh, in fact, I need to get there. Six. Let's, uh, let's read verses 6 and 7. I think we'll let the scripture speak for itself. It says, and this he said to prove him. It's speaking about Philip now. Uh, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Okay? Again, so uh, as I said, when the Lord lays an amount upon your heart, he already knows how he's going to provide for it. Look what it says in verses 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So many? It's this conversation going on. And this is what it says here in verse number 13. Uh, we know the story. And, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. And uh, now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks and distributed the disciples and disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered up together uh, them together and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves that which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Twelve baskets left over. That's a good question. What happened to those twelve baskets of food? You ever wonder about that? You read some of these Bible stories? Answer. Well, I'm going to give you now the, the gospel according to Pastor Class, and I challenge maybe to, to prove this otherwise. I believe the little boy runs home and tells his mother about the story. And of course, like most moms, she accuses him of exaggerating. Uh, he wasn't a Texan like Isaac is, but, uh, but little boys sometimes exaggerate. I had to get that. I tried to bash Texas at least once, at least once a week from the pulpit. That and, and the loser uh, teddy bear uh, grizzly guys. Okay, see, you got me sidetracked for the question. Anyway, she accuses him of exaggerating. Then the 12 disciples show up with the 12 baskets. They come walking the door. Question, how do we know that happened? Response, why wouldn't the little boy get them back? They belonged to him in the first place. Well, it makes sense, okay? But imagine the little boy next day during the t show and tell time. Sharing, hey, when you give something to God, it's twice as sweet when you get it back. Summary, these are all perfect examples of faith, promise, giving. Abraham gave his son Isaac. The widow Zarephath gave her last meal and oil. The little boy gave his lunch. Each of them found the principle true. When you give something to God, it's twice as sweet when you get it back. Now, can I do a little speculating this morning before we go to our next point? Several at Whitehall Baptist Church have proven this faith promise principle true in their lives. And they are experiencing the joy of faith giving. Many, if not possibly most, have not. You've not experienced what we're talking about, the examples we're seeing here, and, and, and even in your life in the area of missions giving. Let me give you a couple of faith promise quotes from my pastor. The Bible does not present a common sense approach to giving. Here's another one. Missions giving must be more than surplus giving. It must become both sacrificial and faith giving. One more. I can still hear my pastor saying this as a teenage kid growing up during missions conferences. We must learn how to give radically by faith. We've got to learn to do that. Here's a challenge. Question, are you willing to make the faith promise God lays upon your heart this morning? 
if you will, then you will be able to watch him provide for that promise and ultimately you will experience the joy of faith giving to God. From these Bible examples we have just examined, we have learned that we must first give our offering to the Lord voluntarily by faith and then he can bless it. In fact, by the way, folks, that is an important crux of faith promise missions giving. You don't give what you have. You have to give what you can trust God for. That's the faith element, okay? Principle number two. Faith giving principle number two. When you give something to God, he never forgets. He never forgets. Let me put that in contrast with the way of the world. Now, I don't hope no one here... Uh, a bank president or works at a credit union, but you know, the bank, the credit union, some of your insurance company, they'll forget you in a second, okay? Not them personally, but their corporation. Once you can't give them anymore or can't keep your obligation, they're through with you. They'll watch up like a piece of trash and, and, and throw you in the trash can. But that's not how, how it is when you give to God. In fact, look at this principle. It's mentioned over Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 41 clearly states the truth of this faith-giving principle. Look what it says. I'll read it for you. Mark 9, verse 41. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I send you, he shall not lose his reward. There's the principle stated. Now, let me give you a Bible example of this. Go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. Mary of Bethany. Um, I just preached on this uh, right back, right before, right before Easter and kind of went in a different direction, but uh, it's recorded, the story of Mary of Bethany is recorded both in Matthew 26 and Mark chapter 14. But we'll look at Matthew chapter 26. A little bit of the details here. Mary of Bethany was basically a nobody to the world. A nobody. But we, we see her coming to Jesus now right before his, his, uh, his crucifixion and he, she does an incredible act here. Let's, in fact, let's read about it. Verse 7 says this. And there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. So here we see her gift and her act of her adoration. By the way, in case you don't know, and I didn't know until I did a little studying, this ointment that she broke and poured on his feet was worth about 300 pence, which is the equivalent to one year's wages. So this is a very impressive gift that she gave. Okay, here we see in verse 8 the, the, the disciples' response. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? They look at it as a waste. Okay, here we see, though, beginning in verse number 10, we see Jesus' response. And Jesus understood it. He said unto them, why trouble you this woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I send you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, that includes Whitehall Baptist Church on May 21st, in the whole world there, sh there, shall, also the, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, she told, be told for a memorial for her. The point is this here, Christ memorialized her. He kept her promise, and here we are, 2,000 plus years later, memorializing her, remembering her and memorializing her. What an incredible demonstration of love and devotion. 
on the part of Mary of Bethany. Now, can I make a comparison here with our faith promise offering, which we're hoping many of you will make this morning if you're prepared to do so? Here's the process that the Lord uses in us making a faith promise. You don't make some ignorant promise. God works on it. He does several things to get to the point where you can make a promise that he lays upon your heart. First of all, the Lord of the harvest sends missionaries our way, your way, and they share the spiritual need of their particular fields. You've had someone that's going to Libby. Daniel Grover was with us a couple of weeks ago. You had another man that started a church north of Cord Lane. Um, throughout the year, you had missionaries come through, and they share their burden of the different fields that, that they're going to, okay? And uh, they share their burden. And we are educated about what God is doing around this globe through our missionary speakers. We talked about that this morning. We become world Christians. We find out what, where God's working and what he's doing around the world. Then the Holy Spirit breaks our hearts and he convicts us about our personal responsibility to assist him in this overwhelming task of world evangelization. <coughs> the point is this. We are faced anew with the reality of this unfinished task that nearly two-thirds of the world's population has never heard the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's a missions motto, another one. Let my heart be broken by the things that breaks the heart of God. And lost souls going to a crisis hell breaks his heart. Then we are reminded again that all believers are to be involved in this task of making disciples worldwide, whether as a goer or as a sender. As it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15, you're either to, to, to go yourself in, in, in your own mission field or you're supposed to send where you cannot go. Then... Well, I have a missions model here. Every believer is to be involved in missions in person where we live, work, and play, and also in purse where we cannot go, okay? There's a lot of places in the world we can't go, but we can go by praying, by supporting missionaries. We can go around the world. Then we spend time in praying, asking the Lord of the harvest to lay a specific amount on our hearts that he would have us get by faith this year. And then... We take that card after we prayed and God gives, gives us definite direction, then we sign that card, which is, some of you will do this morning. Then, by faith and through his provision, we keep our faith promises throughout the year. Now, can I just share with you from personal experience how God supplies this, at least in our life? Probably be true of your life. Sometimes God supplies our faith promise. And by the way, we, we made a, a whopper this year. I don't know how God's going to take care of it. Uh, I'm, I'm slowing down, stepping down. And uh, I finally, after 40 years of bus driving in Clancy, stinking kids, I, I, that, that, which is, I, I, that's where we waste, got some of our money to supply for give to missions. But anyway, uh, sometimes God does it miraculously. Can I say that's very rare? I don't find $100 bills laying around on the sidewalk. This hasn't happened for me. Maybe it happens for you. Now, he's done some other incredible things. And I, I, my, I have to be careful about this because it, it sounds like you're being braggadocious, but this is all God. Amen. About three or four years ago, we made, we made a big one. We made like ten or $11,000 a year uh, promise. And we didn't know it was going to come in. We made it. And lo and behold, to the, to the dot, to the exact amount, we got 10000 bucks from an unexpected source. So I guess that would be miraculously. That doesn't, ha it doesn't only happen that way, okay? And so I'm not, I'm not doing some name and claim it here, but sometimes God provides it miraculously. Most often, he does it by economizing, by us being good stewards. 
We talked about that this morning. Here's a good motto my pastor used to say. Live simply so that others might simply live. Eternally. Not only physically, but eternally. Think about that. Also, another so miraculously by economizing, another way is God gives us the grace to sacrifice. This is an essential element in faith giving. We must be willing to give up, if you want to use the word sacrifice, which I know nothing about, and most of you know nothing about, sacrifice some non-essentials in our lives so that we can get the essential gospel message to a lost world. Good question. What price am I paying to finish my God-given world mission task? What kind of sacrifices have you made this last year in order to support the missionaries of this church to get the gospel to a lost world? Then lastly, the Lord blesses the investment of our giving with souls being saved around the globe. Folks, that's some good news. That's some good news. The eternal souls that are saved through our, our, through our giving bear spiritual dividends in our earthly, or our heavenly bank account. That's talked about. In fact, I'm going to read to it. Uh, we looked at this morning, Philippians chapter 4. And I, I, I've got, I'm going fast here. I, 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 want, I, I want to read some scriptures so you see this. Philippians chapter 4 talks about, about what I just said. As, as people get saved around the globe, that goes into your heavenly bank account. Verse 17 of chapter 4 of Philippians says this. Speaking to a church that was given to missions, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account, to your heavenly account. Okay? Here's the application point. We need to be as concerned about our heavenly bank account as we are about our earthly bank accounts. Okay? I'm getting retirement age, and I'm thinking about all those things. But as I continue to lay and get laid out, because the Bible tells me to take care of my wife and, and prepare for retirement or old age, I also want to keep folks on my, my, uh, put into my heavenly bank account. By giving to missions who go somewhere, those missionaries preach the gospel, people get saved, and that fruit goes into my heavenly account. Man, what, a, what a, an amazing thought. Okay? So that's the good news. He also uses and multiplies our financial investments and world missions in ways that we can't even imagine. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15 and 16 talk about that. And we can only imagine the scene in heaven as we get to see the eternal dividends of our investment in world missions. By the way, that scene is described in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Verse 9, as around the throne of God, all these nations, millions of people from all the different world, nations of the world. And we have a part in giving the missions and, and getting those people saved. They'll be there. And we'll get, actually see it with their own eyes. Can you imagine meeting people in heaven and them saying to you, thank you for sacrificially giving so that someone could come and tell the good news of the gospel to me. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen in some form. You'll be able to see the people who you sacrificed, gave by faith to, to get saved. You'll be able to see them. Summary point. God never forgets the gift, the giver, or the recipient of the gift. In this life or for all eternity. Forever. He will never forget. By the way, you do know there's only two things going to last forever. The word of God and the eternal souls of men and women. All the rest of it is going to burn up. So that's the reason we need to invest in things for eternity. Let me give you a couple more Christian mottos that my pastor used to say. Christians should live and give for that which matters most, for that which will last forever. 
Another model used to ask this question. How has my life counted for eternity? Let me give you a third principle. Third faith-giving principle. When you give something to God, give him the very best you have. Okay? Give him the very best you have. Now, the the principle stated, as I just said, is this. God wants our best. Uh, we have several examples. We think of the example uh, we talked about earlier in Genesis chapter 22 of, of Abraham and, and Isaac. Here's a good question, going back to that story. Did Abraham have just one son? No. You remember a guy named Ishmael? So let's, let's just think about some possible events. Again, the Bible story according to David Class. Lord, speaking to Abraham. Abraham, get your boy and go up to the mountain. Abraham, hey, Ishmael. Come on, come on, son. We've got to make a trip. But God knew which one was the son of promise. That was the one that Abraham truly loved. No, Lord said to Abraham, no, Abraham, I don't want you to take Ishmael. I want you to take your best. I want you to take Isaac. Okay, here's the point. God does not want our second best. He wants our best. Another Bible example would be the Old Testament sacrifices. The point is this, we won't go back and look at them, but God always wanted the the best. He wanted the ones without spot or without blemish. You can read about that in the sacrificial system found there in the book of Leviticus. Here's the application for us today. Our best is still God's requirement for us today. Romans 12, 1 and 2. He wants us to present our bodies to him a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him. And there's some other giving principles that, that could be associated with our best. And I won't have time to go into them. But one would be God requires a sacrificial attitude. A great story found in the book of 2 Samuel 24 about King, King David's sacrifice and Aranah's threshing floor. Uh, and here's basically what was said in verse number 24. The point of this story is this. Okay. Uh, David said back to Aranah, who offered to give him the offering, uh, the place to offer his, uh, the place to offer his uh, sacrifice. Neither David said, "Neither will I offer burnt sacri- burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which hath cost me nothing." The point is this: God wants us to be willing to sacrifice. And can I give you a, a, a little uh, example from personal experience? Personal experience when it comes to faith giving, which I've been doing for over sixty years. Quite often, the Lord asks us to sacrifice in order for us to keep our faith promises. We don't like that word as Americans. In fact, we don't know what that word is, to be honest with you. We, we think coming to church on Sunday mornings is a sacrifice. We have no concept. But sometimes, in fact, you, you will have to sacrifice this coming year at times to keep the faith promise that God lays upon your heart this morning. Elaborate. At some point, if not on a regular basis, the Lord may require us to give up something we want to keep in order to, to give uh, our, our offering uh, to give our faith promise. But let me say this. The eternal rewards will be worth it. Again, I don't want to bore you with these missions models, but let me give you a couple more. They, they just kind of make it succinctly point. Most of us are willing to give to world missions as long as it doesn't affect our lifestyle. Yep. Yikes. I don't like that one. Here's one. If Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me, for me to make for him. So, again, we're talking about a couple of the principles that are tied in with this very best thing. And I won't have time to develop this one, but it's there here there for you. Uh, giving principle number two, God wants our first fruits. 
It's talked about in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It's stated this way, when we give our offerings to the Lord, he wants our first fruits. Not only our best, but also our first. And it can be demonstrated in many ways. And by the way, Pastor, uh, Pastor Kyle, uh, there's one point in missing out of this. It's a, it's a great stewardship message. I'll give it to you, okay? For the message on first fruits. I'm just going to hit these real quickly, okay? God wants the first moments of every day. God wants the first day of every week. Okay, the Lord's Day. You're here this morning. Here's one. God wants the first portion of every paycheck. He didn't want your leftovers. The first check my wife and I write are our tithe and our faith promise. And we live on the rest of it. Here's one. God wants the first consideration in every decision. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 uh, says this. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. Okay? Acknowledge him first when you get ready to make a decision, a major decision or even a small decision. A specific example would be today. Many of you will be making a very important decision today. Your faith promise to world missions for the year 2023. Will the Lord's will be given first consideration in your decision? Or will you go home and get your checkbook out and figure out a budget amount and get by off, the, off of a budget? No, he wants you uh, to give by faith and he wants you to seek him first and be willing to let him lay that amount upon your heart. When we give something to God, we need to give him the very best we have. And let me make a closing illustration about that on the principle that God requires our best. Good question. What did God the Father give for us? Did he give him the, an angel or some other heavenly created being? Answer, no. He gave us his very best. He gave us his only begotten son. Let me ask you, can we do less? Today, you're going to be made, called upon to make, uh, to make a promise. A promise to the Lord alone. I, I've not looked at the card, but there's no place to sign your name on that. It's a, it's a promise between you and God. A faith promise to give a certain amount of money each week towards the missions endeavor of Whitehall Baptist Church for the year 2023. A grace offering that is given by faith to reach the lost souls around this globe. <clears throat> by the way, which is the activity that is dearest to the heart, to God's heart. It's his very heartbeat. heartbeat. Can we give less than our best? I don't think so. I've got a, a hymn that we sing sometimes. It's uh, in our hymn book. It's hymn 369. It's called Give Your Best. I'll just read the words of verse number two. Give of your best to the master. Give him first place in your heart. Give him the first place of your service. Consecrate every part. Give to and you shall be given. God his beloved son gave. Gratefully seeking to serve him. Give him the best that you have. And the course goes, give of your best to the master. Give the strength of your youth. Clad in salvation's full armor. Join in a battle for truth. Give God your best this morning. So in conclusion this morning, I told you what I was going to tell you. I've told you, and now I'm going to tell you what I told you. One, if you'll give by faith to God, it will be twice as sweet as when you get it back. When you get it back. If you give by faith to God, he will never forget. 
billions and billions and trillions of years in the future, he'll still remember because you'll be able to see those souls that are in heaven because of your giving. Number three, when you consider what amount to write on your faith promise card today, will you seek his leading and give him the best that you have? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You know, giving to God in any form starts with giving ourselves to the Lord first. An example of that, of course, is the Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says this, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Lost friend, I don't know who you are this morning. I suppose everybody here this morning is saved, as far as I know. But I just want you to know this morning, the Lord doesn't want your money. He wants your life. He wants you. You need to give your heart to him this morning. Believer, speaking of consecration, have you consecrated your all to him? Others here this morning need to pray about a specific amount they would like to promise this morning. So whatever your need might be this morning, as Isaac quietly plays during this time of invitation and your pastor comes, let the Lord speak to you and you do what he has told you to do. Maybe take a few moments here and just pray together as a family or maybe as an individual and just ask the Lord, God, what would you have me to do? This is kind of that final opportunity. And if you don't have peace about it right now, then, then take time. Okay, we're not pushing anything. But when God's placed it on your heart, that's whenever you make that decision. This is a commitment between you and God. It's not between me and, and you. It's not between you and this church. It's between you and the Lord. We want to do more for missions. But I want you to make that commitment to God. Take a moment here and pray. All right, friend, we'll look this way. It's come to that time, and I'm looking forward to this. It's one of my favorite opportunities for us as a church to come together and to be able to do this together. Before we do the faith promise, before we take these up in just a second, I do want to read just a couple of quick verses here. I know we've looked at a lot of verses today, and uh, we're going to wrap up here in just a second, but I want to mention these to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, he writes this, But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
Listen, we're, uh, we, we've already said it today in Sunday school. We've said it in the message this morning. God doesn't need your money. But he gives us the opportunity to be a part of missions in this way. He gives us the opportunity to participate and, and to plug in and to be a part of his economy in an incredible way. All right? Uh, we've, we've said it here before. God, God could have chose any way he wanted to to give the gospel. I mean, he could have, he could have wrote it in the stars. He could have had the bees fly around and, and sing it as they buzz. All right? But he chose to use us to go and give it to the world. And he gives us the opportunity to give and send laborers into the harvest. Now, don't miss this next part, okay? It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And he says this in verse number 10, Now, he that ministereth seed to the sower, okay? So God that gives seed to the sower, okay? It says this, Both ministers bread for your food, and multiply your seed and increases the fruit of your righteousness. So what is he saying there? He says this, okay? He says, for every person that's, that's involved in this, he says, I give you what you need. He says, I give you bread for your food. That's for you. That's for you to eat. That's for you to partake of. That's for your needs. But he says, I also give you seed to sow. Now here's the key. We have to pray and understand God, which is which. You know what we do a lot of times? We take the seed that God gives us and we say, I think I'll take that and I'll use it for myself. That's not what the Bible tells us. He says, listen, I've given you bread. That's for you. I've given you seed to sow. And I hope this morning that you'll pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom on which is which. God, help me to sow the seed that you've given me to further your king, kingdom, and as we heard in Sunday school, to lay up treasures in heaven, not here on this earth. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then after that, we are going to take the faith promise cards, okay? And so take this time. Um, I will, uh, before we pray, I want to mention real quick, okay? This, once again, i got to grab the cards stuck in here, all right? Uh, how this works, okay? It says on here, I promise by faith to give to the work of God through my church to missions, okay? And you're going to write in there either weekly, monthly, or a one-time gift, all right? And you write the amount on there. It says this, keep this portion for your records, okay? I understand this constitution, a promise between me and God. I further understand that I will not be contacted for any reason I'm able to keep this commitment okay the big part is for you you're going to write the same thing on this small card okay it's the same so you're putting the same information okay and then here's what's going to happen you're going to take that it's got a little perforation you're going to tear it okay and you're going to put this one in the offering plate okay so that we can total things up you're going to take this one home with you and put it somewhere that you can remember it. put it in your bible put it on your refrigerator put it inside your refrigerator okay put it somewhere that you're going to look at it regularly and be reminded what you promised not to me not to anyone here what you promised to god that you said god this is what i'm going to do and then you pray and say god help me by by your grace to be able to stick true to what I said I was going to do. God, I've made this commitment by faith, and now God, help me to do that. And understanding that sometimes, as we heard today, that requires sacrifice. And uh, I hope that as we as a church, that we wouldn't be so prideful to say, well, I'm not willing to make a sacrifice for the Lord when he sacrificed so much for us. All right? And so take the time there. You're going to write those things on there, tear those cards, and then we're going to put them in there. Let's pray. Ask the Lord to bless this this, uh, this faith promise time. And then I'm going to have the, uh, Rick's got an offer plate. I'll have Todd grab another one too. You guys can go through to and, and uh, collect those real quick once you have them. 
and, uh, and then they're going to total those up here in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, bless this time now. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory for what you're going to do. Thank you, God, for what you've done here at Whitehall Baptist Church in these past years. And I pray, God, now that you'd help us to do even more for your glory. Lord, we want to see people saved. We want to see people uh, called into your ministry. We want to see, Lord, uh, the gospel go into places that it's never been before. And I pray, God, you give us an opportunity to be a part of that. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaac's going to play uh, his guitar, and as he plays, uh, if you have those, you can take those, drop them in the offering plate. They're going to take them after everybody's done that, and uh, they'll, they'll go and start count, counting that number up. Does anybody else need to drop one in there? We good to go? All right. You get, they're going to take them, and they're going to go count those. All right. And so they're going to go do that. If you haven't had the opportunity to write something down, okay, and maybe you say, you know what, today I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. Something I want to do, but I don't feel comfortable doing it today because I haven't spent time praying about it and, and just making sure that I'm ready for it, uh, then, then you can take the time over the next week, and you can put it in. We're just going to have a total for this morning, okay? I know we got some people that are missing this morning. We'll be a part of it as well, uh, but that'll be an opportunity to do that. Well, uh, as uh, they're going and counting, I wanted to take just a few moments here and uh, be able to share with you a couple of videos that we got from some of our missionaries. And uh, they, they sent a couple of videos and uh, we, I, I sent a message out a couple months ago and said, hey, if you'd like to, to, to reach out to our church to say hello real quick and had a couple of them that got back with me. I have one, we actually have a missionary that uh, serves in North Korea and uh, we're not able to actually show them on live stream, but we'll be showing them probably next week or the week after. Uh, we'll show them whenever we turn the live stream off so that you can see that but we got a couple of missionaries that uh, wrote in and just wanted to or that sent a video real quick and just said thank you for for giving and so we want to watch those at this time so click